From the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb, school counselor, USCA board member, and every week I'll be speaking with different counselors and professionals that will be giving us valuable information in our counseling world. We cannot wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sounding Board from the Utah School Counselors Association. We are back here yet again, another month and another section of one of my favorite segments, starting little, ending big, with our lovely elementary school counselors, Elise Hansen and Gina James. Welcome to the show, guys. Good to see you, as always. Good to see you. Man, I know. We're but we're all like, oh my gosh, it's morning again. Oh, we got this thing again. Just kidding. Oh, it is hard. No, I have a so I have a nine-month-old who that the sleep regression has hit and we don't okay he doesn't sleep that bad he wakes up like once in the night but it's at like two or three in the morning always and i'm just like i I don't go back to bed after i wake up i just don't i can't especially if it's like the butt crack it on so if i like start muting myself because i'm yawning that's why um because i'm i am a walking zombie um but so last time we talked a bit about collaborative classroom instruction um especially in the elementary school level and so today um as 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 we were brainstorming what we should cover with y'all today um these lovely ladies had the idea to bring up how to have some effective lesson plans um, and they've actually, guys, they've they've given like borderline TED Talk stuff on this stuff. So like we got professionals in the house um, helping you guys you know, doing some some good lesson plans. So take it away, ladies. How can we do some some good lesson plans for elementary school counselors? Well, I want to start by saying that it's my favorite, my favorite duty, my favorite part of my job. I love to create the lesson plans. And so hopefully that with the ideas that we give you that you'll find it as one of your favorite things to do too. So um, we know that collaborative classroom instruction is very important and we want to cover those mindsets and competencies um, that we talk about. And so we're looking at the social and emotional development, multicultural and global citizenship development, life and career development, academic and learning development. And what's interesting is I looked at portrait of a graduate and there are so many things that we cover on the elementary level that are in portrait of a graduate. Mm. So, so where do we start? We need to start by looking at our school's needs and our school goals and evaluate which mindsets and competencies are being taught or not taught or need extra focus. And, um, I think that if you're serving more than 10 or 15% of your students Mm -hmm. on tier two with tier two supports, Mm -hmm. um, with your systemic approach to dropout prevention, then you've got to beef up your collaborative classroom instruction Mm -hmm. because you, you know, that if there's that many students that you're having to serve, that there's a good chance that all of the students in your school could use those skills that you would teach in those groups. And so those are the mm. skills that you could bring into your lessons. Mm. Yeah. Gina, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that sometimes we really miss the boat on that. And I've actually even heard um, elementary school counselors say, I don't have time to do that much classroom um, teaching because I'm seeing a hundred individual kids or group kids 
Well, that's your clue that you need to do more classroom because really if you should never ever go over 15% of your population that you're serving outside of the classroom. I mm-hmm. guarantee if you spend your time in tier one, your tier two and tier three will diminish, you know, huge. It, it just makes such a huge difference. So she's exactly right. You really pay attention to how many are you serving individually and group. And then if you're bumping into that even 10 to 15 percent, you you do need to spend more time. The advantage of the classroom is you have a norm. You always have a norm. So when you're discussing topics and kids are raising their hands, it's your norm kids oftentimes that will talk. And, and pretty right. soon you understand, you start knowing in the classroom, who's going to give me a good effective answer. Right. It's not that you don't ever call on the other kids, right. but when it really matters, you're pulling that norm in. And right. then when that kid says, well, yeah, it needs to be like this. Oh, yes. Did you hear what they said? So you're really setting a norm. Mm-hmm. So here's a, for instance, yesterday I taught bullying. My favorite book to use in bullying is most people. And the reason why is it does touch on bullying in it, but the the gist of the book is that most people don't bully. Right. Most right. people most don't. Most people are good, right? And so you're setting a norm that shows them that most people are good people. Most people do great things. Most That's actually really good. Life. Like teaching a concept by saying like like. Like, here's what bullying is, and we need to be aware. But most people are amazing. Some people make bad choices. Most people are great. Some Mm -hmm. people can be mean sometimes. I love it because it teaches them to be optimistic with life instead of being pessimistic about it. Oh, that's beautiful. And and it is. I mean, I've done, I've used all the other bullying books. None of them to me have been as effective as this because you're setting a norm. And so most people one, set your norm. And that's what it is. Set your norms, guys. Most people, I, I'm going to put that in the podcast description, okay? So you guys can go check it out, especially because yeah. it's October. It's it's Bullying Prevention Month, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. I fangirled for a second there. I love this topic. Mm-hmm. You're good. So anyway, that's just, I just think your tier one time, the time you spend in tier one is so valuable. And if you'll spend it there, it really will take down, way down your other, your two and three tier. For sure. Now, for those who, who who are brand new counselors or those who need a refresher, what are your tier one, your tier two, your tier three? So your tier one is your prevention. And that's where you reach 100% of the students. You are yeah. serving all students. You're going into the classroom. You're also um, sharing information with parents. Mm-hmm. You're sharing information with your faculty but it's but it's everyone. It's not specifics. And so then it's when the you... bottom of the pyramid, right? The mm-hmm. bottom, the where the majority of everything, and the higher yeah. up, the less amount of people, so speak, you're with. Yeah, and I want to clarify that that tier one is prevention. It's not intervention. Yep, it's your prevention, and that's why we're able to serve 100. percent But then you get to your tier two. Those are the our kiddos that need some extra help, whether it's Mm -hmm. individual counseling or group um, Mm -hmm. work that we that we do. And that that's where your interventions start. And then your your tier three is more your wraparound services or if they they need a therapist. We're not Mm -hmm. therapists. Right. Right. So if you need to make your referrals, then that would be your tier three. 
And you want you're saying about 10, 15 percent, right? In tier one. Not a whole lot. In tier two. Um, in tier all, two. In tier two. Sorry, sorry. In tier, tier one, one hundred percent. Right. Right. Okay. And then in tier three, what are we looking at? Oh, five percent oh, less, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We're talking you, a handful of kids that have to have beyond that if you've done a good job at tier one. Right. That's really what it should look like. Why do you think so many counselors get hung up in your tier two, tier three so much um, versus your tier one? You you can really get sucked in. And I think part of it is you don't know the program model Mm -hmm. and you're not educating your principal and faculty on what you do as a school counselor. Um, I think that in the training in, in college, they're not getting they they did not get the training as to what an elementary school counseling program looks like. Right. Um, but they're adding that into our programs. They're doing a better job of that. Um, yes. Of course, there's more that we can do. But um, anyway, yeah, now we're getting off on the tears. Yes, my bad. Well, <laughs> this is good stuff because it's stuff that a lot of people don't understand. But still, all right, let's continue. Well, with- I have one more thought. Oh, that yes, please. A lot of times like, you get sucked into tier two because of what Elise said um, as far as just everybody wants you to put out the fires. I got a fire. Put right. out this right. fire. There's a and world have- to save. Yes. And so you have to really be careful to not let that interrupt that tier one training, that tier right. one teaching. Right. The prevention and- is going to stop the fires from happening. Yes. Exactly. And some of the fires might burn themselves out, you know, like just, I'm not going to say just let them burn, but I mean, th- th- it'll, it'll be okay, guys. And tier one-, one thing, Oh, it, sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. One the one thing that we found is when we hired more elementary school counselors and we were able to get into the classrooms once a week, mm-hmm. our tier three dropped dramat- dramatically. We had much fewer tier three ref- referrals. So just having people helps. <laughs> having having an, having enough manpower. Um, so that your ratio is is where it's supposed to be and you're not overloaded with 1,800 bajillion students. Uh, who was it? Uh, Elise, what was your biggest caseload in your career? 1,400. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my gosh. 1,400? Mm-hmm. What about you, Gina? So uh, I'm about 600, which is... Oh, yeah. my goodness. But there was a point that I was in three schools, so I had... Close to, I had close to 1,400. It, it's oh impossible. It's and you're the even... only counselor over those schools? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, it's better than nothing, but yeah, we but found it's... that there oh. was a huge, huge difference when our student-to-counselor ratio went down. Yeah, yeah. Because well, we keep... can do so much more, so. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So let's keep moving forward. So how else can we create some effective lesson plans? Let's keep going with that. Okay, so some important considerations is you want your classroom teacher to be present because they can reinforce the skills throughout the school year. Oh, yep. It's a great way to connect with your students. You want to use their names, smile, include personal stories in your lessons. That really gets their attention. That helps them to get to know you. Um, I like to do slide presentations. They're a great tool. You don't have to, but actually the slide presentations help keep me on track. Yeah. 
so that, oh, I say this next. Because when you're teaching the same lesson several times, sometimes you're thinking, okay, did I say this to this class? And so the slides help keep you on track. And what's kind of fun is the students will make comments and then I take their comments or the teachers. I love the teacher's comments too. And then I'll add those into my to my lessons following that class that hmm. just adds to it. The lessons get better, I think, as you, as you keep yeah. teaching them. Yeah. Um, I like to review the previous lesson and find out how the students have used what they've learned. And that's a great uh, informal way to collect data. Yeah. Are they using what I've taught? Do they understand what we've taught? Um, do I need to simplify it? Do I need to clarify those kinds of things? Make sure the objective is stated and you want to do that towards the beginning of your lesson so students know what they're going to learn. Um, it's okay to do the same lesson or topic each year. Gina, yep. talk about so, this. So the research actually shows if you hit a subject once, you will get zero effect. But it's yeah. zero retention. Absolutely. Repeating yeah. the basics. Oh, yeah. that's a huge one. Well, Especially and a lot of people say, well, you gave that to them last year, you're going to give them the same. And that may, you know, change the story or something like that. But no, it's a repetitive teaching that helps it set in and helps them actually learn. Oh, yeah. You like hit a subject once and think you're going to get any effect. You we need to be teaching soft skills every single year. People say it starts in like it starts in elementary school. Yes. But we need to be repeating it every single year throughout all the way through high school. And a lot of times it just drops off. They go straight into like college and career readiness, um, like the the academic side of it and applying for college side of it and just totally dip off the the soft skills, you know, social emotional side of it. And like just like where you're saying, if you stop going over those basics, the mm -hmm. retention goes down. It, it goes Way away. Down. It goes mm -hmm. away. The other yeah. thing I wanted to say, too, about what Lisa's talking about is when the teacher is in the classroom with the students, the truth is you're seeing those students 30 minutes a week or whatever yeah. your lesson time is. You're mm -hmm. planting the seed. That's all you're doing. The yeah. teacher then has to water the seed yep. because they're with them all day, every day. And I have teachers say to that to me all the time. We brought you up again today. We talked about what Mrs. James had taught in the classroom. So, you you know, a lot of times teachers want to use that as a prep time. No, it's a valuable time where you're planting a seed that they are now going to water. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be working with the teachers. A lot of times, I mean, just to get in the room, counselors try and pitch it as, you know, this is where you get to take a break, right? Let me come in your classroom. But it's, you know, you, they get to work with you. Um, mm -hmm. They need to be there um, and then actively using what you what you're teaching them later on and getting them to buy in. And some people are like, oh, that can be difficult. And I'm like, honestly, it can also be really easy mm -hmm. to get teacher buy-in, especially at an elementary school level. Because if what you're teaching these kids with in your lessons and your short 30 minutes can drastically improve their behavior within the classroom and make the teacher's life substantially easier, I think right. every teacher will jump at that opportunity. Heck, yes, I want you in my classroom. I will I will move heaven and earth so that these kids will want to pay attention for eight hours of the day or want to be at school or whatever it might be, whatever we're trying to improve. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, and, I love and it. And we want, we want to make sure we're enhancing the academics that mm -hmm. we're not taking away from it. So yes. we want to make sure we're, we're creating quality 
um, lessons that are needed for the students in our schools. Um, another thing before we start in ideas on on um, gathering information to do your lesson is to connect and collaborate with other school counselors. They're going to be your most valuable resource. And the emails um, of these two wonderful school counselors will be in the podcast description. Yeah, we're, if you guys, we're happy if you guys, to If you guys share. have any questions, they are the freaking bomb.com. They are legit. They are so amazing. They're great resources. Okay, so when you when you start your lesson, you want to start it in a way that's going to hook them, that's going to get their attention. So uh, the lesson I'm doing this week with students is on determination, and we have a fun little activity that's kind of hard to do, and we see who can do it, and usually there's only one or two kids in the class, and, and then we work until everyone gets it, and the kids that have a hard time, when they get it, you should see the look on their face. But so then we can talk about determination. How does that feel? And when something's important to us and we stick with it and don't give up. So so you're finding something that will hook them in the beginning and get them excited. And then you want to do all that you can do throughout the lesson so that you're building intrinsic motivation. Let them know the why behind your t behind what you're teaching. And Gina, you're big on this. So I'm going to let you talk about that one. So we live in a, a society, really. We, I mean, this could be a whole podcast and maybe we need to, one of these times, just focus. Yeah. On, but mm -hmm. we live in a society that's very extrinsically motivated. The problem is we've we've got to get back to that building that intrinsically, that desire in them. That, because as we build the intrinsic motivation, we're building their desire to learn. We're building their resilience and perseverance. But the biggest thing about intrinsic motivation is literally it enhances joy in their life. That when you're doing something because it feels good and you've taught them, doesn't this feel good? So just constantly we try to, you know, I, I with our teachers in our school, I try to encourage them to say all the time, doesn't that feel good when you work hard? Isn't this fun for us to all be here together where you're starting to help them bring in that internal reason of why they're here. You know, they're a valuable part of our classroom and our school. But anyway, th that really is a whole nother podcast. And maybe we right. can do that one of these weeks. Right. But it yeah, is, that'd be a good one. It, it would be such an amazing one. We could go on for a freaking hour about that. <laughs> yeah, not true. But in our lesson, we're trying to give them the big picture. We're giving them the power, that intrinsic motivation. So, um, it's always fun to use a variety of teaching strategies. So Gina and I have mentioned quite a bit about books. Books are are fun to add into your story. So um, look for different books. We have, uh, I guess we could give this to you, Nate, our favorite yeah. book list. So oh, I'll share that with you. And then you can put that in the podcast notes. Um, videos, there's some fun videos uh, some of the, I, sometimes I make my own, but there's some great shorts, you know, the Pixar and other shorts that we can do. There's the small talk is cute. Kid president is great. Pass it on.com has wonderful videos that you mm -hmm. can throw in there. Um, music, sometimes there's songs and lyrics and music and things that you can add to your lessons. And then I love to do activities or object lessons. So, so to find activities, 
I'm going to throw out a couple of books and you can put this in the notes. They're called Activities That Teach and More Activities That Teach by Tom Jackson. And he's actually from Utah. And I remember I got these books. Oh my gosh, I bet it's been 20 years. I think I was a high school counselor at the time. And he came to one of our counselor conferences and presented. And then I purchased his books, but I'm pretty sure they're still available on Amazon. Uh, he'll, he'll use those. I promise. Those are two great ones to get, but it helps the kids connect and get involved mm -hmm. and gives hands-on learning. And then the object lessons. One of my favorite object lesson is I take a washer and, you know, a little round washer that you put with your nuts and bolts and I tie it on a string and then you can hold that string between your thumb and index finger and if you concentrate really hard and think to yourself side to side, that washer actually starts to go side to side. And then I'll have the students think forward and back and it will start to go forward and back. And then I'll say, okay, let's see if you can do a circle. And then I'll say, okay, see if you can change it the other way. But we use that as a way of showing how powerful your mind is and your thoughts are. Mm. that if you think it, you start to send messages to start to do it. And so right. be careful of your thoughts or use your thoughts to, to help great things happen. I love um, that. And then I love to add games. I downloaded a fun Your game. Kids buzzer love app. games. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. They will go off on games. And like I got bought this app for a dollar or $2 and it has a little buzzer. And so uh, they'll come up kind of like family feud style and I'll say, you know, ask them a question. They hit the buzzer and you divide them into teams. Or there's an app called Wheel of Names. And I've put different things on that. And you hit the wheel and then it stops on, on one of them. And you do the activity that's on it. I mean, there's just lots of games that you can do that you can play. Um, pictures and visuals are great you've um i don't know if you've ever seen the picture where if you look at it one direction it's a frog and if you look at it another way it's a horse mm -hmm. mm. and so i'll show them the two different ways and then i'll put the pictures up side by side and let them know okay this is the same picture and then we talk about it's how you look at things do you see the positive do you see the negative are you looking for the good um, you know, not judging people, you don't know the whole story kind of thing, right? Or prior experience. There's so many things you could use just with that one picture. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to get every student involved. You want to have lots of discussions. So instead of asking a question, a lot of times I'll say, okay, partner share. And I'll give them the question and then they can answer it to each other. And mm. I'll go over to a set of students and listen to what their answer is. And if they've got a great answer and and not over 90% of the time they do, I'll say, are you okay <laughs> if I share that with the class? And then when I bring them back together, I can share that idea. Plus I can bring out what I want them to know, right. but they've all had a chance to think it through and talk. Um you can do whole class role plays. Role playing is very powerful and they love it. In fact, I did role plays in one lesson and the next week when I went in, they're like, are you going to do role plays? Can, can we can we do that? And I'm like, well, not that. this week, but um, you can have them do a little group project and then they can present to the class. 
Um, be aware of who you're calling on. You know, sometimes we want to make sure we call on that person that's going to give us the right answer. But right. we also want to make sure we're giving everyone a turn. And a lot of times I'll ask a question and say, okay, someone I haven't called on yet, someone I haven't right. called on. And it's amazing the kids that will then raise their hand instead of the three or four that are always called on. Right. Um, you could do classroom meeting circles and you know, put everyone in a circle and then you each have a turn to talk on a specific topic. I do this one a lot if the classroom's having a problem just within that classroom. And then we'll go in and sometimes I'll role play with the teacher, the behavior that the students are using. <laughs> and then they're shocked and that leads to a fantastic discussion of what did you think when your teacher and I were doing that? And what does your teacher think when you're doing that? What? How could we do better? How could we change our behavior? Um, if you have a student, if you have a class that that um, isn't getting involved, you could get something like a koosh ball or they have those foam frisbees. And then you could toss those out to the person that's answering. And and I've noticed that would get classes involved. I had to use that when I very first started. They weren't sure what to think of me. And then they started getting comfortable with it. And I haven't used that in years and years. Um, something that's kind of fun is to dress up, use dress up props. Um, when I talk about being an ally, I have a superhero costume that I put on. I just put AG on a on an apron that I can easily tie on. And then I bought a red cape and I'll go in and I'm ally girl as we talk about being uh -huh. an ally or we're talking about attendance and, and I'm the attendance detective. I'm going to come and see how your class is doing. And so I, I got a magnifying glass and I have a little overcoat that I wear. So there's different things that you can do. I will say there are, in my cohort, at least, I think I had seven, seven people in my cohort that were former teachers that were becoming mm -hmm. counselors. And a lot of them like, oh, my gosh, I'm I, I still know this. So I, like they're getting so scared for when we were headed out into the real world. And I was like, guys, do you recognize you have a substantial advantage mm -hmm. with your teaching experience heading into and, and I think four of the seven were heading into elementary schools for their internships. And I was like, you have a substantial advantage heading into these elementary schools because mm -hmm. essentially you're still just you're you're still a teacher. You're still mm -hmm. a teacher. You're gonna be giving lessons just like a teacher. You're just giving lessons about different stuff. Mm -hmm. With all your classroom management skills, your creativeness, all these other things, it's gonna play a big advantage. And so for those of you school counselors who have been teachers that are at the elementary school level, A, you already know. But lean into your creativity, lean into those things that you already know. And for those of you who aren't the majority of us now, um, who aren't elementary school um, teachers or teachers in general beforehand, that's where we reach out. That's where we reach out and maybe ask your teachers for advice on, hey, how can how, how can I make this lesson better? How can I engage the kids better? And then the teachers will give you advice like the advice that that Elise and Gina are giving us right now of, you know, how to engage the students and the different ideas and whatnot. 
I know it's really hard to try and figure out how am I going to engage all these little munchkins for, you know, 30 minutes. It can be so terrifying Those because little kids are intimidating, especially when they're bouncing off the walls and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to rein them in? Am I going to keep my job? Oh my goodness. Am I a good counselor? And it can be scary. Um, but I promise like really just, just go in and try and talk to people and you'll, and you'll find out real fast that the people around you are probably your greatest resource. Um, yeah. And you get better and better. You do. Yeah. It takes practice, mm-hmm. takes time. Um, Elise, how long have you been a, a, a counselor? Forget the levels. When did you become a licensed counselor? Um, in 1995. Okay. I was two years old. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy. So, so you've been a licensed counselor for 33 years. Um, and how long have you been an elementary school counselor? Uh, 21. 21 years. So she's been practicing for a second, guys. Um, Gina, how long have you been a counselor? Period. So, um, 2009. 2009 I got my okay okay that's harder math for me how how many years is that total (laughs) so I'm on I'm going on 14 14 and have they all been at the elementary school level um well I did all my intern work and I was an at the at-risk teacher at the high school so I I was there for about five years and then I've switched to elementary my home is in prevention I love right so you've been there for about 10 years then ish ish well, 14, because um, since I got my oh, 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my license, I've been in elementary. Yeah. So, guys, these ladies, they've been practicing for a second. Don't get down on yourself because it's hard for the first year or five um, because or or 10. Like even I, I, I would I would bet money even as as seasoned elementary school counselors who have been at it for more than a decade. You guys still have hard days. Oh, I'm still figuring it out. You guys still have days where you want to yank your hair out because little munchkin over here did not go well, whatever it might be. Everyone still has hard days. So for those of you who are listening to this, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't like it's, I can't do that. I try and I fail. We all fail and it's, you're going to fall on your face, but you learn so much more from trying and failing than you Mm -hmm. do from not trying at all. Just keep at it. Yep. Yep. So anyway, um, we should wrap this up because you guys listening have probably gotten to school by now, but um, this has been a wonderful, wonderful episode. Thank you guys so much for sharing your knowledge um, and wisdom as always every month. Um, Their emails will be in the podcast description. Um, So if you guys want to reach out, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to any of us. They are much better resource than I am, but I I will offer whatever I can. and then as well as any of the other links that we talked about earlier, I will include all those as well. The book list um, and all those things. And thank you guys for listening to this wonderful episode of The Sounding Board in this segment of Starting Little, Ending Big. Hope you all have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next one.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email the sounding board at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors to find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselors Association. USCA members also receive a bi-monthly newsletter to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Utah School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselors Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go.